Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Today I'm very privileged. My name is B3. I'm very privileged to bring you the story of Tiva Water, and I'm very honored to host the president of Tiva Water here in Uganda. Okay, yeah, Mr. Daniel Ololia, you are most welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank I you, love thank it. I like, I like president, it's better than CEO. You understand? I think so too. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and, I've, and the one in Uganda, because soon they'll be all over the place. Uh-huh. So, Daniel, really, really good to host you. Thank you, thank you. I'm especially excited about your story because even from the, the little that we've seen, there's so much drama. Mm-hmm. And drama is good, like, so much has happened in such a short period of time. Indeed. And today, as I start, try to catch up with your story, I was like, you know what? So guys, I want you to know that even me, I'm going to be with you discovering. It's going to be fun. So pray for me not to get derailed. But Daniel, I'm really excited. So why don't you start by telling us about your business journey and how it began. Thank you. My name is uh, Daniel Ololia. And I like to say I'm the president of Tiva Water. I know that everybody in Uganda would like to be president, but rather than... uh, (laughs) Rather than fighting to be one particular president, you can start something and be a president. Come on! <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a joy to um, be in business. I am married to one wonderful woman, Wilter. Mm, who's here somewhere? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, 12 wonderful years. Wow. And four wonderful, glorious children. So, uh, Tifa Water started um, officially in 2009. Uh, with a partnership with uh, two American friends. And um, the idea then was there is a crisis of safe drinking water in Africa and we need to find a way to fix that. And uh, a simple solution, slow sand filtration or what is known as biosand filtration could work. But biosand filters, as you'd know them, are made out of concrete and they look really ugly. And I said, no, I can't have this in my house. So we went on to research on how to make it in plastic. Wow. And uh, also fix the issue of containment of the safe water so that it is not taken away from the filter into a pot that would easily get recontaminated again. Wow. Um, So we did that for about five years and it was very discouraging. Uh, 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 but Daniel, I feel like you've just cheated us a whole story. <laughs> you've started in the middle of some story, like where did you come from to start this partnership? Oh, okay. What was happening before that? Because someone mm-hmm. who's watching is like, oh, this guy was born, mm-hmm. finished school, he got partners in America, he started the company. Is this oh, the story? No, uh-huh. no. <laughs> so help. <laughs> no. Um, I am a trained public health researcher. Wow. So um, I did all my first few years of work, about uh, 10 years before then, just doing public health research. And I worked with a few reputable organizations, NGO world generally, in public health research. I specialized in uh, digitized research. We were among the first people to bring digital data collection using PDAs before smartphones came to Uganda. (laughs) 
<laughs> we, we had PDAs that you'd program a questionnaire and somebody goes out to the field without any paper, just tap on some things and you come back and download and do analysis. So, uh, but that also uh, prepared me in a way for this journey because one of the things that I got an opportunity to research on in depth was water access. And I went through the whole country researching on water oh. and access to safe water and what people were using to get access to safe water. So right about that time, the American friends uh, come to Uganda and their focus was helping Ugandans start business. Wow. And uh, they helped other people start poultry farms, piggeries, and all those kinds of things. And then they said, but we want to do something about water. Mm -hmm. And I don't know up to this day who recommended me, but uh, they said I came highly recommended. And um, they contacted me. But the deal was, you're going to drop everything you are doing <laughs> to work on this. To be with us, you'll not get a salary, mm -hmm. but you'll drop everything you're doing. I remember wow. at that time, I was just completing a study for the World Bank. That was pretty well paying. Yeah. And I said, okay, after this study, I'll quit. Mm -hmm. And uh, three months into that, I got another call giving me another contract with USAID to do um, a training for, I think, a capacity building training for two weeks, paying about $500 a day. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and I, I said to these guys, what do I do? Should I quit? Should I? But I said, no. I, I asked them, allow me to do this one last. <laughs> One last gig. <laughs> let me do this one last gig and I quit properly. Yeah. Uh, let me do some technology knowledge transfer. <laughs> That's what uh, you call it. <laughs> and, then I, and then I quit. Yeah. So I did that. They allowed me to do that, blessed me to do that. And since then, I have never done any of those gigs again. Wow. Yes. But that was a huge... Because you are in a well-paying space, a fairly well, what yeah. made you make that decision? Like, why would you quit a job where there is what we would call a secure... Mm. you know, mm. income, mm. Mm. and then go into a space where you're even being told, we're not even going to pay you, you're going to have to make this thing work. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what was going on for you? Because you're a family man already mm. at this point. Two years in marriage, moreover. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we just got in our firstborn, oh. um, Lorraine. You know, I looked into the future mm. where I was seated, mm. and I realized that everybody that I had known was working to start a business so that they can come back to it when they retire. Uh -huh. And I said, why not spend my youthful years when I'm energetic, when I am not under pressure to do something about starting a business mm -hmm. now, rather than sticking with a job mm -hmm. and then waking up, you know, when I'm 55 and start learning. Oh. So I went to my wife, I remember, and I asked her, and God bless her soul, <laughs> she, she said, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, and so I would say the desire to be free yes. and uh, a supportive spouse really, really helped me to, 
plunge in. And I can say I can tell you being a wife to an entrepreneur is not nice. We're about to find out some <laughs> interesting stories, you guys. It's nice, it's nice. It's just some little risk in yeah, life. Lots of but, dreams. Yeah, lots of dreams and, and, and a little bit of, of risk. Mm -hmm. So now now that we know the background, so you meet yes. these guys yes. and you start mm -hmm. the water filters. Yes. Mm -hmm. So these five years that you're talking about, why did you say that it was a very discouraging time? Five years of running the that water filter, what happened? Well, uh, for starters, when you tell somebody that get your water and pour it in this bucket that has some type of sand, <laughs> you'll get your water safe for drinking. Are mm. you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Are you crazy? I remember speaking to one professor in Uganda and uh, he told me, young man, I'm a professor. <laughs> you have nothing to teach me. <laughs> wow. Uh, take your thing and go. Meanwhile, somebody had already paid for it to be donated to him. Ooh. And he said, no, 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 I'm a professor, you can't, I said, no, let's go online, research from other professors and see that this technology works. So I had that, uh, I mean, some of my closest friends, some of our closest friends as a couple, didn't own these filters until about three, four years in. My goodness. If so, your own closed circle doesn't believe in it, uh -huh. it's in trouble. <laughs> so it was, it was more of a thing like the people who could afford the filter felt that it was too inferior for them wow. uh, and that they couldn't really trust it. Yes. The people who needed it could not afford, could it. Not afford it. So it was that kind of a, a hassle. So you'd, you'd go run around uh, the whole country, I would drive from Kisoro to Pader, and, and then come back to Kapchora, and then move back to Rakai, and you're doing, just going to try and create awareness, much more of awareness than sales. And then at the end of the month, you've sold 30. 30 filters? Yes. Wow. And when you sell 50, you celebrate. But then, God, God is great because he had his hand on this. Yes. You know, at some point you would run through a place of discouragement and then you get an order for 1,500 filters. Oh, wow. Uh, I remember a child fund ordering for 1,500 filters that really gave us a breath of fresh air. Yes. And then I also remember a partnership with MTN, with the MTN Marathon, where they bought filters mm. to distribute in uh, Amuria. Some, those kinds of opportunities kept coming, but they were not the kind, we thought that those opportunities should be happening on a weekly basis mm -mm. and not coming through. Mm -mm. Mm. Yeah. So, so um, in terms of, you're saying you are, you, are, you are making very little money. Exactly. Then what happened? So what happened to the filter business? So at that point, as it should be expected, my uh, friends and partners basically said, look, Daniel, I think you would make more money doing what you used to do. <laughs> um, and I think it would be good for all of us if we could just give the things away. Let's just make a few of them every once in a year and give them away. You get back to a job. You know, mm. we have a few connections that we can hook you up to and uh, it will all go well. This is six years in, right? Six years in. <laughs> 2016. Yeah. <laughs> 
six uh, years into your dream and the people who you dreamt with are now saying this won't work. Yes. Let's become donors. Yes. And you go back find a job. Find a job. What did you decide to do at this point and Well, I I looked at them and I told them hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Uh-huh. I mean, I I escaped the rat race. I can't go back to the rat race. Yeah. I I already jumped out and I can see that I have survived 6 years. Uh, without a salary, why would I want to go back to a salary? Mm. Um, I, I just have to break through. The only way is through, not back. back. Mm. And um, it was a very, very tough conversation. It came at a time when we had lost our son. Yeah. So uh, really about three or so months after we had lost our son. And it was a very terrible moment. But I went back to my wife and said, you know what? let's let's give this thing another you know try and she believed in me that woman <laughs> <laughs> that woman <laughs> she did yeah <clears throat> she did um the the thought of not knowing where your next uh paycheck is coming from yes uh the thought of uh hearing dreams and and the dreams are almost coming through but not quite yes um i remember at that stage after the americans uh had checked out you know <laughs> um i remember getting to a place where i said okay we are going to do farming you know you get that entrepreneurial seizure the seizures <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, you get that entrepreneurial sh- seizure yeah. and uh we got some land in Mukono <laughs> and I bought myself a bike. I at first bought a new car and I said, "Okay, let's let's do farming." Uh-huh. Um and a car wasn't killing it because Mukono traffic is just too much. So, I just woke up one morning and said, "Okay, I'm buying a bike." Then we went and opened up a farm in Mukono, planted broccoli, planted uh passion fruit. And then lo and behold the broccoli one acre of broccoli is ready and we pick it up a bit just a few samples some huge heads of broccoli very fertile soils we brought it to Nakawa with my wife on the side and we said to this lady we want to be able to supply you first we asked her how much do you sell this rickety you know mm, like your tiny tiny broccoli tiny things mm. 5000 so okay then we pulled out ours very <laughs> Yeah, and we said, okay, how much would you buy this for? We mm-hmm. would like to supply you with broccoli. We have enough broccoli. She looked and said, mm, I think a thousand shillings. Why? Yes. Why? Um that's a long story, but, <laughs> but the markets in Uganda in Kampala are run by cartels. Ah. Yes, you can't you can't just jump in and supply it to the market just like that. No, you wow. you no, they run by cartels, so the farmer hardly makes much out of it. Uh the person who makes the money is somewhere within, you know, they control the place. So I remember um just going home with my wife and <laughs> and your broccoli. <laughs> we we've never gone back to that farm. What do you mean? Yes, we've never gone back. So what happened to the broccoli? I the, I just told the caretaker sell it 
passion fruits, eat it, do whatever you want with it. This is a real I entrepreneur seizure. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I told you there was drama <laughs> in this story. Yes. So then I I told my wife. <laughs> you always tell your wife. <laughs> <laughs> she Poor woman, she's the only person that I had to I had to consent oh, with. Oh. I had to get her consent. Yeah. So I told her, I, I think I think I'm I'm stuck mm. in my mind. You think? <laughs> I need to go out and open my mind up. Tell us what you did to open your mind up. I need people to hear it. <laughs> so we had we had about fifteen thousand dollars in savings. In and, personal family savings. Yes. Uh -huh. So I said, let me uh, take ten thousand dollars of that. <laughs> and go to China. To open your mind. Yes. <laughs> what did your wife say? <laughs> yeah. Um, what did your wife say about this, Daniel? She prayed for me and blessed me and, and said, And released you. you. <laughs> she said, you go. I believe that this works. I believe that you'll get something, you'll break through. I had done basic research on some equipment that we were thinking would make some money <laughs> in Uganda. So I said, I need to go and see these things, see if it actually works well. I need to go and see what else is out there. Mm. I mean, all these people that didn't go to school go to China and come and make millions eh, in Uganda. Why not you? I mean, mm. with, with a bit of education, I should be able to do better. Mm, come on. Yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> I get a ticket, no person that I know in China, nobody that was calling me to come along with them. I went to some strange city called Jiangmen and started off from there. Um, um, started off... <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I just, I just went to uh, visit. The audience is very tickled <laughs> by your story, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I went to visit uh, a, a company that manufactured water equipment mm -hmm. and um, started having, you know, just taking a tour through it, and seeing what they did, what kind of equipment they had, and seeing the possibilities mm. of such equipment in Kampala. Mm -hmm. And I paid up for two of those machines and flew back to Uganda. Wow. And then what did you launch? So now you're launching something fresh and yes, different. Yes, I'm mm -hmm. launching something fresh and different. Um, the idea then was, as I said earlier, do street vending of water. Yes. Uh, because I knew that if you wanted water in Kampala City as you walk along the streets, you would not really have anywhere to get water. You have to look for a shop yes. that sells water, which is very difficult to get and very expensive. Mm. And I also had this idea that we need to reduce our footprint in terms of uh, plastic bottles. Mm. The only way that you could get water in Kampala, even now, is still through a plastic bottle. Yes. So, we... Uh, we brought the machines with the idea of putting them on the streets of Kampala, mm. only to arrive here and be told by KCCA, no, we have banned all street vending in the city. <laughs> so I said, but no, this is not really street vending. Okay, where is this thing going to be at? Yeah, on, on the, the street. street. But it's not street <laughs> vending. 
<laughs> no, but this is this is all international. Like all the big cities in the world have this. It's a big thing. It's our next level as a city. No, no street vending. Then they said, well, go and get uh, approval from UNBS. Uh. But UNBS doesn't certify ideas. <laughs> they they yeah. certify products. Products, yeah. Yeah. So. I go to UNBS and said, okay, <laughs> where, where is your product? Uh-huh. Uh, no, they, there is no product yet. But I want but you to certify. KCCA wants a certificate from you, then they will probably allow me to go on the street. And they said, no, we don't do, you get the thing on the street. Then we certify Then we certify it. <laughs> then I, I went to Shell. And uh, brokered a relationship with Shell, got a, like, a contract where I would put the machines at Shell stations. Mm-hmm. That was another big break. But then uh, they said, now, in order for you to put the machines at the Shell stations, you need the engineer because you're going to involve a bit of electric, electrical installation, yes. water and stuff, and this is a fuel station. You need the engineer to... Uh, yeah, basically install and the engineer asked me he needed 20 million to install each machine uh, yes um, I quit indeed I quit I just told him it's not gonna happen mm-hmm. and there was no other way to install anything at any shell station without the engineer wow so what next so <laughs> <laughs> We kept, we kept knocking. On doors. We kept knocking. <laughs> so one of the things that we did was uh, approach Nakomat because we saw that there is a possibility to have a water refilling station inside a supermarket mm-hmm. so that people walk in with their bottles and get their water freshly prepared for them right there mm-hmm. and they take it. And uh, Nakomat said yes. Yay. So... Uh, in a week, no, about two days, I was able to put a booth out wow. uh, at Nakumat. And uh, that booth, small thing, we're not paying rent, we're only paying for our water and um, electricity. And that thing started hitting the bank really good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Give us some numbers, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for rough estimate, in a month, you would get about 20, 30 million shillings. Mm. Yes. Not, not by, too shabby. By refilling, yeah. by refilling water. Mm. So then I also uh, managed to secure Nabisunsa Girls School. Mm-hmm. I installed another machine in the school and sold cards, like ATM cards, oh. so that girls, instead of them buying water from home in boxes, just come with an empty bottle and buy a card yes. and refill your water you're right beside your kitchen right beside your dining room. Nice. Yeah, so that that also took off pretty well. And then, Mm. one uh, one and a half years in, Nakumat collapsed. Yeah. Two of my machines are stuck inside. Mm. I don't even have one customer. (laughs) Daniel. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yes, I, I wasn't doing deliveries at all. Nakumat was doing all the deliveries for me. I know there are probably about two or three hundred bottles of Tiva water stuck in Mbarara somewhere. Uh, <coughs> more than 500 stuck in Entebbe somewhere. Well, I mean, they were delivering all across their network. Yes. And um, 
there was. I, I remember we'd just come back from a visit to the US uh, when I was called by one of the managers to just brief me on what was going on. Mm. And I believe that it was going to break through because we were already having meetings to have these vending machines inside Nakomat in Mombasa, mm. about three of their branches in Mombasa, three of their branches in Nairobi had flown to Kigali, checked out a Nakomat there, already secured a spot. So I was seeing things were beginning to go big. Yeah. And then it shut. shut. Down. It shut. Um, we were able to get some more money from our savings to buy more machines uh, from China because the other ones were locked up. Yeah. Um, and, and put up a production facility outside uh, of um, Nakomat now in Namuongo. And uh, spent a bit more money and bought a tuk-tuk, you know that three-wheeler? Yes, yes. Yes. And started deliveries. And started deliveries. Started deliveries. So you started recovery immediately after? Yeah, yeah. So, Daniel, what is this thing, though? Because you don't seem to to give up or to stop. It's like, oh, okay, that, now that farm, we've, we've never looked back. We told them to eat all the produce. Then now this one, you know, it has shut down. We bought more machines and stuff. What is, what is that? What's that about? What, what keeps you going? What is that thing that you don't see the, the, the roadblock? You somehow just find, you see another road somewhere. So I, I think it's a combination of grit uh, that's probably character uh, and uh, just knowing that to succeed in business you have to pay the school fees <laughs> so yeah. each time I knew I was paying school fees mm. uh, I mean even with the bottling section I'm still paying school fees mm. but I know that if you give up at any one point that is the end for you. At least you have determined the end. You have determined the conclusion of the wow. matter. Wow, when you give up. But, but if you don't give up, you can give it a chance for another day. Yes. And on the other side, it's like when you're walking and the lights go off and you stop. You will not know whether there is a wall ahead of you or no wall ahead mm. of you at all. Yeah. So when you, st when you stop, you determine the end. You determine the it's end. It's in your power. Yeah. So why don't we talk numbers right now, just mm. in terms of how many people is Tiva Water employing right now? Um, numbers, gross, um, what's coming in in terms of finances? Because we've seen mm -hmm. how this thing kept dying, right? resurrecting, dying, resurrecting. Sort of talk about what it looks like right now and mm. also the future. What are, mm. what are you envisioning? I know mm. you talked about it in the video earlier on in terms of what you're envisioning, but for the, for the benefit of, of our viewers, you know, who might have just come on, yeah. what, what does it look like right now and what are you envisioning for the future, Daniel? Thank you. Well, the first thing is that Tiva Water started with uh, one staff, that was myself, yeah. and went up to about seven staff and then came down to two staff. I kept an office manager <laughs> through that dream season. Um, <clears throat> and now we're back up to 22 people that are working wow. with us. Um, wow. Um, before I forget anything, I think that I need to give lots and lots of credit to the Worship Harvest family. Mm -hmm. Because it's amazing that nearly every Worship Harvest business or business person that is from Worship Harvest mm. uses Tiva Water, either at their home or their office, 
I mean, harvest. It's true. You yes. get our home, there's yes. Tiva water. Yes, yeah. yes. There are lots of businesses that are using Tiva water, and I realize that this is how church is supposed to be family. Mm. You know, looking out for their own, supporting their own, and helping them to grow. Um, in, in, in terms of uh, cash, we haven't depended on any loans. Wow. Uh, whatsoever. Wow. So, we, we're still loan free and we were blessed. I remember the last time I featured briefly here, um, we had a dream to own our own facility and now we have that dream. Wow. Uh, so we're still we're still growing. Yes, we're still growing. The vision now is to get production of the filters in Uganda, because from the sale of the filters, we are donating from the sale of the water, we are donating a part of the money through our uh, mission or community, yes. Fountain of Life. We're donating part of our money through the water filters that we give out to communities within yes. Kampala and outside. Wow. My very last question, how many clients are you serving currently at Tiva Water? So right now we are in the upwards of 500 clients. Wow. Yeah. And growing. Yeah, and growing. Guys, you've heard it. Tiva Water is alive. By the way, that's the water that should be in your home. Worship of his family. Eh? Thank you. That's the water that should be in your home because this is it. We are a community. And, and I'd like us to welcome right now the leader of Business Garage, Mr. Chris Kawesa. <laughs> Another entrepreneur. <laughs> Thank you very much, Pastor B3. President Daniel. Hey! We, we can't stop laughing because of the stories, yeah. you know? Thank the audience has been in so much laughter and I'm sure people at home are also laughing away at your stories of perseverance and all that. When you are talking about when, uh, the time you left your World Bank job, your wife was nodding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And from that point onwards, I heard you saying, I asked my wife. <laughs> I told my wife. So that's really partnership eh, and support. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've picked out was, even as you had partners who eventually left you, you had a wife who supported you, yeah. yeah? And she uh, tolerated all your nonsense. <laughs> Took away the $10,000 to go to China, to dream again, you know, to open your mind and all those things. And been so, so much fun, yeah? Uh, I don't know, we're we going to get some questions uh, from the audience, but one of the things I also picked out in the, the whole journey is that you started with a, a good business idea. Thank you. Yeah, it was a good business idea. People needed water. The statistics were clear, but then it was not a good business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and probably some of us have th that that uh, we get to that stage where you have a brilliant thing, you've seen a brilliant product, you think the market needs it, but then it's a very bad business. Mm -hmm. And I think you took how many years before you got into Nakumat? Six years. Six years yeah. of perseverance, <laughs> of trying, of failing, of giving up a farm. You know, and those are stories, uh, real stories of entrepreneurs. Yes. You don't give up. When people see Tiva Water now, I, I, they don't know where you started from. So there are stories behind there. And I've seen, I've seen and had a lot, a lot of perseverance. Thank and you. people out there, you might have. If your business idea is not yet in time, hang in there. Hang Chris, in there. Can I, can I just add one thing in addition to that? Yes. I think I'm, I'm speaking to uh, spouses of entrepreneurial men, there is a lot of uh, patience necessary for entrepreneurship to succeed. Mm. One of the most critical things for me 
was when you have suffered rejection out there, uh, the last place you want to you know, meet rejection is at home. Oh. You know, but every time I came home and I knew that my wife still believed in me. That was critical. Awesome, awesome. So Wiltau, we know you're there. We celebrate you and we thank you so much. You know, I got a story. I want you to tell us about, you say that you're not working, you don't have, cap, you don't have loans, yeah? No. Uh, tell us, you're a manufacturer, and manufacturing is a high capital, uh, you need high capital to do that. Mm -hmm. I know I met a very, one of the organizational leaders in this country mm -hmm. who was running a bank, mm -hmm. uh, and I think in 1990 or 1993, someone walked into their office, uh, and I told him, look, I need, I want to manufacture water. Mm. And the man told him, you know what, we can't give you money. Mm. We can't give you money because the requirement is high, but also it's a risky business. We don't know about water. Mm. And this man said that's the biggest mistake he has ever made in his life, rejecting that entrepreneur at that stage. That now, you are manufacturing, mm -hmm. but you're telling us you don't have any loan. Mm. How has that journey been? Right from the beginning, you, got, you brought in equipment and you've sustained the business up to date. Mm. How come you're not operating on loans? So, it's, it's a very interesting question, but I live a very lean life. For starters, my transportation cost per, per week is probably 10 or 20,000 shillings. I ride a bike. Wow. I ride a bike. That, that cuts out almost uh, a million plus uh, in expenses. And secondly, um, I, I make sure that everything is coordinated. There are people who would start a business in Namamve and they're delivering water you know, on Kampala Road. Uh, I decided to pitch camp right outside and save every little bit that I can. So we've saved everything and plow it back. Delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. So that's been one major uh, reason. Yeah. Wow. Awesome, awesome. Wow. Just one more thing I've noticed, uh, Daniel, President Daniel. Come on. I don't get your water in 300 mils. Yeah. No? Yeah. You found, this is just for business, something I've noticed. Yes. You have, you have a specific market yeah. you're focusing. You're not focusing yeah. on everyone. Yeah. Yeah? And yeah. that's a good business principle to pick out from your stories, that you have a good product, but you're not targeting everyone. You're mm -hmm. not in the supermarkets. Mm -hmm. in one, you're not targeting the people walking away with water. Yeah. But you're targeting stationary, families. a stationary need, families, yes. schools, etc. Yes. So I thought, as we do business, we need to know what is our Niche. target market. Mm -hmm. We can't serve everyone. If I have a toothache, I don't go to Dr. Emmanuel. Mm -mm. You know? <laughs> so, yes, You'll be please. Push. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Awesome. Thank you. Pastor Mose is here. He couldn't resist well, well, this story. Well, I just came to testify <laughs> that uh, at our house, we have the Tiva water filter. filter. Yeah. And uh, we've had it for... Now, I should have asked my wife if I could. <laughs> But it's longer than a year, right? Yeah, about two years now. About two years now. Yes, yes. So because we live out in Kitty Town, we used to, and at the time, when we moved there, we didn't have uh, piped water. So we have an underground tank and we gather rainwater and then we pump it up and that's how it's been. So yeah. for drinking water, we used to buy bottled water from the supermarket. Like we would have 
the big bottles and the small bottles. And then one day we are there and a Tiva water car pulls into the what? Into the compound. Mm. Out comes Daniel and another person. <laughs> and they installed this thing. And we're like, how does this work? Okay, you know, curiosity. <laughs> so they put it there in the kitchen. They said, no, just get that water, which, you know, no boiling. So we just got the water from the tap and poured. And I think we had to wait like a day or two. Mm-hmm. And then we started drinking water. Mm-hmm. This night, as I was praying in the morning, early morning, I drank Water. <laughs> and you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Two years. Two years. Two years. All the water we drink in our house wow. now is from that filter. And to think how much money we would have spent buying bottled water for two years wow. versus having a, a water filter, you just get water from the tap, pour, drink, pour, drink drink. So this stuff works. It's not some sort of clever thing. And and I really had to come and add my thank you. My, thank you. my testimony <laughs> thank to, you. to the testimony. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Moses. There's a question online about how much the filter is. Okay. The filter is sold at 310,000 shillings, including delivery to your home. Ah. Yeah. Um, this is the other thing. We always guarantee if you don't like the filter, we'll buy it back from you. Wow. We'll buy it back from you. I've seen a few comments of people that say, I had the blue big bucket. If you're still willing to sell it back to me, I am ready to buy it back. Yes, um, that's, that's uh, our commitment because our aim is not just to make money, but to bless the people. Because there are so many other people that need that filter. And, and I must also remember that the majority of the water that we drink in Kampala is treated with chlorine. Yes. And chlorine is a carcinogen. I know that uh, in other parts of the world it is outlawed to treat water with chlorine. But in the sub-Saharan African continent, it's noted that it is safer to have a few people die of cancer rather than have so many die of dysentery, diarrhea, and typhoid, and stuff like that, which is very true. So I don't want to say that (laughs) people should not drink water that's treated with chlorine. I'm only telling you, you have options. And you have an option in Tiva water, both for the bottled water and for the water filter, which does not use any chemicals. In fact, for the bottled Tiva water, we spend a lot more money to remove the chlorine (laughs) in the water, just to make sure you get what you've paid for and not poison. (laughs) Wow. Friends, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah? Thank you so much for joining us today for Business Garage. What a story. What a testimony of perseverance, of just faith, of, of, of also humility that the president rides a boda boda. Someone said that he's like Jesus. Behold your king on a colt, you know? And so that humility, that, that, that also the giving back to community, that Daniel and Wilt are actually missional leaders and, they, and their elders 
Are they? They are. <laughs> at Worship Harvest, in Worship Harvest Ministry, they serve specifically at Worship Harvest Bugolobi. But I'd like to invite someone here today. You're watching and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life. Daniel is a believer. Every time we host people here, one of the things that drives them is their faith in Jesus Christ and knowing that he's in the middle of it all. And so I would like to invite you right now. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, it's so easy. It's so easy. You just need to repeat this simple prayer after me. Why don't you go on right now and just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Today, I make you Lord of my life. Take my life and do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.